I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 241 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and we are back with another episode featuring Armored Saint, Fate's Warning, Motor Sister, Merciful Fate, OSI, uh, Arch Matheos, bassist, Joey Vera. Joey is an extraordinary musician. He's been on the show several times, which is something that I mentioned during the interview. Uh, he's a guy that's always been great to the show. So I am always happy to help promote what he has going on. Not only Joey, but John, who was on two episodes ago. Again, the Armored Saint guys have always been awesome to me. So anytime that they're releasing something new, I'm more than happy to. Have them on, <laughs> you know, and it usually happens that way where I get to talk to both of them and it has been for the, the last few releases. So it's been kind of cool that they've always wanted to come back. The interview starts at roughly the 10 minute mark. So if you do want to skip ahead, more than welcome to do so. In the meantime, I do want to remind you guys that I do my live stream Signals from Mars, usually Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. in the UK. And for those of you in midnight, it is in midnight. Yes, in continental Europe, it's midnight Friday going into Saturday. So, um, yeah, I usually do that show. Like I said, every Friday, it is a troll-free environment where we all get to contribute talk, uh, ask the guests that we have on questions. I try to have, you know, different people on that. I think their stories are interesting to talk about music and just different things that they've been involved in. Uh, after this interview that I did with Joey, Joey's was done about a week ago. So it was actually on a Wednesday. It was a little different. Uh, like I said, during the John Bush interview or during that episode, if Joey Vera or John Bush say to you, we can only talk Wednesday at this time. And that's when I do it. You know, there's no other way of there's, there's no other way. I, I wish I could have them on that Friday night live stream because there is that core audience that always checks the show out. Most of them. I do realize that are patrons of mine, which makes it even extra special. and. Yeah, it's, you know, not for nothing, but I do appreciate all the support that those folks give me. Uh, that's why with some upcoming projects, I'm reaching out to them to get some feedback before figuring out what I'm going to do. Uh, there will be news shortly. Some people know what's going on. Some people don't. Just trying to figure out a day and time. And you guys will know a little bit more. In a little bit. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, I do appreciate my patrons because obviously they're helping me out however they can. And I realize that not everyone can subscribe 
because everyone's situation is different. Some people just don't want to subscribe. Some people are in Patreon that just want to support monetarily and don't want to get involved in Patreon at all. Um, I've been a part of various Patreon pages and have been discouraged or disappointed that I'm giving people my hard-earned money and I'm getting very little back. So that's why I try to do my best to give people content. Every day, people get new videos from bands old, new, uh, bands they may have never heard of before, so on and so forth. I throw these videos up there on Patreon, and I let the patrons pick which one of these tracks they like, and then we move them to our to, to a playlist, which is on both Spotify and Apple Music, that you can listen to with all kinds of tracks, various types of hard rock and metal. There are some things that may surprise you, some things that you're less surprised about, but it's it's actually a cool mix of music. I listen to it quite frequently, and there are things that I agree with, others that I don't, but hey, th this is what being part of my Patreon is all about. Uh, there's a general consensus as to what should go on these playlists. And then there are other things that just don't make it, things that I would like to have on there, but just aren't there. But this is for the patrons. So I have my own playlist on the side with some of these other songs, and that's cool. Um, outside of videos and outside of this playlist, like I said, patrons have the ability to ask questions. If they're not going to be around uh, a patron by the name of Mike Jones. No, not the Mike Jones that um, that the guys from Armored Saint know, but our Mike Jones. He, for example, has family commitments, can't be there for the live stream. So that's why I like to ask, hey, does anyone have questions that they want to have asked? And it's cool because. You know, I want them to, I want you guys to be able to participate and sure there are questions that are asked in the chat as well. And I'm always going to the patrons first, even the new project that I'm working on, it's going to be a patrons first type situation. And I'm not saying that to be a dick or anything else, but these guys are my diehard audience. They're the guys that back me. So I go to them before other people. If there's time. When I'm speaking to a Joey Vera or a John Bush or, or anyone else uh, or Ryan J. Downey, who I had last Friday, who I had him on the live show, and he's going to be on the next podcast release, which will probably be between Friday and following Monday. Um, there are questions thrown out in the chat. People are asking all types of different things. And obviously, if if there's people, if there are repeat people that are in the chat, those are people that I'm going to go to patrons, then repeat, repeat customers, per se, you know, and then other people that join us. It's cool to see people hop on in that maybe aren't usually there. And I get it. They're there for the guest. Usually I understand that's the the main course out of all of this. It's great when I hear, hey, I checked out the episode with so-and-so and I subscribed after and I enjoy what you do. And that's awesome. You know, I greatly 
appreciate that kind of stuff. And like I said, not everyone can subscribe. So anything you can do, share, like, subscribe, tell your friends about us, whatever it is, it is all greatly appreciated. Before we jump on into the interview, I do want to thank my patrons. We have Twisted Steve Hoker. We have Jeremy Weltman, Mr. Patron's Pick, uh, up in Manchester in the UK. We have Mike Jones, who I mentioned before, Brad Dahl from Yarg Metal, Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, The Metal Dentist, Gabriel Ruiz, Chris Vaglio of The Chris and Amanda Show. We have Jose from Connecticut, Jose Ruiz. We have Jerry from Long Island, Metal Dan. And we have Johan, the metal chef, up there in Sweden. I appreciate all of you guys' support. And it is always awesome when you guys are able to chime in, whether it's they're live or whether you guys are submitting questions. I speak to a lot of these people frequently throughout the week, so it's always cool to get feedback. Um, I mentioned this during the interview. This Armored Saint live album is great. It gives me the same feeling that I had when I checked out Live After Death by Iron Maiden, the first two Kiss Alive albums, UFO Strangers in the Night, Scorpions Worldwide Live, um, all these classic live albums. It gives you that feel. And a lot of live albums that have come out recently kind of don't because you feel like the bands are kind of just mailing it in. So, um, I do recommend that you check it out. I want to thank you guys once again for spending time with me, listening to this episode and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to follow everything that we have going on with the podcast. Enjoy the interview with Joey. Welcome, everyone, to a special edition of the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast and VMR IT web design. Today, I am joined by the one and only Joey Vera of Armored Saint. Joey, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you guys? I am doing well. Uh, This is, as the intro was was playing, I was thinking in my head, I think this is like the fifth or sixth time that I've gotten to speak to you over the years. And uh, one of the coolest things is after almost every time that I've talked to you, you've always said that you've enjoyed the conversation. So I'm hoping that I can continue that streak. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, now the pressure's on. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Um, So I have um, a bunch of questions for you here, obviously surrounding the upcoming live release. Uh, I got to speak to John last week, so I kind of uh, made sure that I didn't cover the same types of questions um, just to give fans a reason to come back and listen to your interview as well. So um, one of the questions that I've been asked the most since 2018 was, do you know anything about the, upcoming uh, Armored Saint live album because one of my uh, listeners who's also a a patron um, was at the show at the Gramercy. So he's always been asking about, you know, when's it coming out? Can you tell me anything about it? So once it became official, I made sure to send him, you know, what information I had. Um, The first question that I wanted to ask you is, you know, obviously that was recorded in 2018 
uh, Punching the Sky came out last year. Did the pandemic have anything to do with the live album being delayed? No, not at all. Um, we uh, have been kind of working as as usual, things as, you know, schedules as normal uh, since pandemic started. Um, in fact, we were we were kind of at the end of the process making Punch in the Sky when Los Angeles closed down, mm -hmm. but it didn't really affect us at all because we were done recording and we were entering the mixing stage with Jay Rustin. So it was just things went as normal. And we, you know, we, we did have a brief conversation about whether or not we should hold the release date of Punching the Sky mm -hmm. in 20, but you know, nobody knew, <laughs> no one still knows when things are going to be back to normal. But even then we were wondering, you know, well, this could go on for a, quite a long time or it could be, or it could end in two weeks. You know, we don't, we don't know. So we just said, well, let's just move on as business as usual. So that's why we just set the release date for punching the sky for October of 20, which ironically, you know, now we're in 21 and it's October pretty much next week yeah and um we're releasing another record <laughs> um so for us it's just been like you know let's just keep going business as usual so we it didn't really affect us in, in those terms it's affected us in other ways obviously we haven't been able to do any touring or any shows so in that sense it's it's affected us just like it's affecting everyone else right okay could you imagine holding the songs from punching the sky, not releasing it up to now would, would that have driven you crazy? Yeah. You know, it would be, it totally would have driven us crazy. And um, we were proud of the record and we worked hard on it. So we just wanted to get it out as soon as possible. And everyone at that point um, that we're talking like spring of 20 um, was like, going crazy already people were starved for music people were at home you know socially distanced from everyone else so there was no reason to hold anything back it was like let's just get this out there so mm -hmm. yeah it would have drove it would have driven me crazy just sitting on a record it was just pointless right okay yeah get it out there that's, Obviously. that's why we're getting this live record that's why we're doing this now because we could hold this too but you know we're having the anniversary of the record is actually this year. So it just makes sense to get it out now, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you obviously have produced the last few Armored Saint albums. Um, what difference is there between producing a live album as opposed to producing a studio album? Well, the live record is more or less just sort of a technical aspect of it. The songs have already been written, you know, and we we performed it live. So it's really just a matter of cleaning up tracks and mixing the record audibly so it sounds good, you know. The the producing a studio record is just a completely different animal. You know, you're, the songs are have recently been written, so you're trying to bring them to life for the first time. So there's a bit more of a under the microscope, if you will, for, uh, in, in regards to making a, a studio record, you know, it's a completely different animal. 
would you say there's less pressure on you to do a live album? Yeah, I would. I, I might agree with that. You know, I mean, like I said, the this record has already been written. It was written back in the late '80s and early '90s. So that part of it, the emotional part of it, is <laughs> I've already let that go. Um, and you know, the the emotional part of it for, for in this terms, in terms of today, is that we we're showing the record in a completely different light. Um, the songs again have already been written they have taken on a a little bit of a different life because they were they were played in 18 and you know performed with in front of an audience and that kind of a thing so um that part of it was a little a little less pressure as most the the biggest pressure was really to make sure that that the record as a whole um you know uh shines a light on the, the way that the band is in a live setting so the the energy is a big part of it and the sound of it just must be powerful and that part of it has to be has to come across more than any kind of like production value let's say Mm -hmm. it's more about it's more about the big picture yeah and that that makes complete sense after listening to the album and i was able to watch the the screener as well I cool. get a lot of live stuff sent to me and you listen to it and it's like, well, it just sounds like they did this because there was a payday involved. But I got the sense when I listened to Symbol of Salvation's live that there was an energy to it, that there was something to it that, you know, made, gave me goosebumps in a lot of different places where, you know, I've listened to a lot of the material on the album over the years, but you know, like everything else, you make a playlist and there are maybe some songs that you don't listen to as often as others. And there were a lot of these like, holy shit, this, yeah, this song was on there. You know, this was really cool. So um, I get exactly what you're saying. There's definitely an energy to it that to me separates it from other newer live albums that, that have come out these last few years. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's also there's a there's kind of an emotional connection to it too because for one thing we it's the record played in its entirety but it's also this record played in right. its entirety which you know was a bit of a landmark um record for us for various reasons but um this record was is important to us and i think that it was also important to a lot of fans they they sort of regard a lot of people regard this as maybe our best record ever, or it was a record that, you know, was as a culmination of our 10 years of being together as a band. And just prior to us breaking up in 91 or 92, Mm -hmm. um, also was an introduction for a lot of people. A lot of people discovered Armored Saint on Symbol of Salvation. So there's a lot of crossroads kind of happening. Um, So that I think comes across as well, because you know, we're performing this in front of a live audience. So you have a different energy. It's not like we're just going out and playing kind of like a best of our whole career. Mm -hmm. That would, that would have a different energy, you know? Um, So there's something special about this one. Were there any songs that you hadn't played previously that by playing them live, not that you may have been stuck, but you were like, Oh wow, this was, you know, this song was a little bit harder than what I remembered you know, when you got back to playing it? Well, uh, there was a few songs we've never played. Um, 
uh, let's see, burning question would be one. Um, hanging judge, we maybe played a couple of times, but like, you know, 30 years ago. Um, and, and then there's songs like Spineless that or Another Day that we haven't played in like over 20 years. Mm. Um, you know, uh, Tainted Past, another one we haven't played in years. Um, so there's there's certainly a lot of songs that we haven't played in a very, very long time. So <laughs> um, some of it was challenging just relearning them, right? Uh, remembering guitar parts and remembering harmonies and, you know, just all those inter- intricacies that we tried to take from the production on the record and, and transform that into a live setting. Um, some of those things were pretty tricky, um, but... You know, it was really great playing songs like for the first time, like Burning Question was, was just the perfect example, really, because we that was a song we never played ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, playing that live in front of people for the first time was pretty cool because it was like a whole brand new song. It was like this, right. like the, it might as well have been a brand new song we'd just written, sort of. People were singing along to it. It's a super deep cut. And people were just totally stoked that we played it live and they were singing all the words and it was bizarre to, to see that. And then the kind of a goosebump moment for us, um, you know, cause we played like, you know, rain of fire and tribal dance, you know, um, symbol of salvation. We, we have played those songs quite a lot throughout our whole career, but pulling out like burning question and just seeing the reaction to that was was just amazing it was just great awesome are there any yeah. songs that based on the reaction that you got from the crowd where now you kind of have to scratch your head and say you know what we need to fit this one in our regular set list <laughs> well burning question might be one of them i mean it was it was <laughs> it was just so fun to play you know um a breath of fresh air really um uh hanging judge was fun too um war zone is it was always fun we we would play that once in a while throughout the career but not a lot um tainted past is great people really seem to like the the sort of the the moodiness of that one so you know there we could we could pull a lot of these out really they'd all be fun really <laughs> cool um yeah. what made the the gramercy show special did did you guys know going in okay that's where we're gonna get this live album from i know john alluded to the fact that a few shows were recorded um was was the plan from the get-go to mainly use the gramercy show or, or did you guys wait to see which of the shows turned out the best it was pretty much in the cards that we had to do that one and it was mostly out of practicalness and also you know affordability we didn't have the budget to bring five camera crew to multiple shows. <laughs> so what we did though, we did, um, so New York was, that was going to be the one we had a few shows prior to that to kind of work out a few bugs. We played Poughkeepsie and I believe we played just outside Philly. Is that right? And, uh, New York was the third show. So we kind of, kind of, um, it was a little risky just going in that early on, mm. but we had already done a few to get worked out some bugs. 
and that was the main show. We knew that was going to be the bulk of it. Um, we did bring uh, the director, um, Vince Edwards, who also works with Metal Blade, mm-hmm. and he traveled with us on several shows. But he, so he did shoot some kind of like off camera stuff, like not off camera, but I mean off. Uh, he did shot, shot some off stage stuff and some kind of cutaway stuff from other shows to use as kind of, um, I don't know, emergency stuff or just to have extra footage. And so he, he did shoot some stuff from other shows that we did end up using here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the audio part of it, we also recorded um, several nights of that. And that was really mostly used as a, as a safety net in case something horribly went wrong in New York. <laughs> but nothing horribly went wrong. And so we were able to basically use all the audio from the New York show. Um, but we did have other shows recorded audio wise from other shows just in case. Um, and there is also some footage that we ended up using from one of the European shows in particular in Germany. Um, and that was also used kind of as uh, cutaway stuff, additional to what we had for the gram from the Gramercy. But in a long-winded answer, <laughs> uh, we did have the intention was to use the New York show. We knew that the venue was probably one of the best on the run. So mm-hmm. we knew that the stage would be a good size. Um, it, we knew it would be a great crowd because New York has always been great to us. Um, and we knew that the, you know, the production, the lighting and all that stuff was going to be adequate. And, and, you know, so that was the reason. And also it just made sense for the five camera crew to be there. Also, they were, uh, East coast based. So all those things kind of lined up and that just made sense to do the New York show. Gotcha. Yeah. You guys also did the live stream last year after punching the sky came out. A lot mm-hmm. of fans have used their live stream footage to put out DVDs or uh, digital or even physical releases. Has that even crossed the band's mind to use that in the future as a release, even maybe as an EP to, you know, prep for an upcoming tour or something like that? Yeah, we have it in the can for for a purpose like that, you know, um the label has discussed with us some possibilities of doing something with it in the future, but it, it hasn't really been gone beyond that. We haven't taken it very seriously yet. I mean, it's, it's a live performance and it was fun and uh, it's unique because of the fact that it was during the COVID shutdown. We played in front of an empty crowd, an empty club. So those things are unique to it. And, a lot of fans have already inquired about that. You know, is that going to come out? We'd love to see it again. You know, I'd like to be, if it's available, I'd like it, you know? So there's certainly some demand for it. And um, we're aware of that and the label's aware of that, but we just haven't really put it on any schedule yet. Um, But it's, it's there. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was cool. We liked, it was fun. And, you know, I think fans would appreciate it at some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, let's be honest. Most of the people that checked it out were probably diehards to begin with. And your diehard audience is going to pick up yeah. anything you put out. So, 
I mean, exactly. It's for yeah. them for sure. Yeah. Um, there's also been talk over the last few years of a documentary on armored saint. Can you give us a status update on that? Well, um, the story is that, um, a, he's a friend, uh, a friend of ours who's a, uh, film professor in the UK and he's, he's been a longtime friend of mine and, and the bands for a long time. And so he came with us with the idea, came to us with the idea of shoot, of making a movie. So he's, this is his baby. And, mm-hmm. um, he's basically put it all together. Uh, we did do interviews with him for it. He also interviewed a tons of people in the, in the uh, industry. Um, there's a trailer on YouTube for it. People can see, but, um, as far as I know, the status for it is that I believe that he is done with the editing and now he's finalizing sort of like the audio and the final kind of things, you know, end credits and any further, I don't know, he might be doing some animation things or something. And so it's, it's very much close to being done, but I don't know exactly what his intentions are just yet with as when people are going to be able to see it. So um, I believe that um, we're trying or he's trying to get it into some film festivals by the end of this year and also in the spring of of 22. And I believe that those two things are the precursor to when something could actually become available, whether it be via whatever uh, a metal blade or even a streaming service um such as whatever amazon or netflix or something like that um uh so we're we're still kind of waiting to find out um what the actual status of of a real release is so that's as far as i know okay uh while interviewing john the other day he mentioned that um, that your masters were coming back to you guys after 35 years, the Chrysalis masters um, with all of the stuff that's been mentioned these last few years about streaming and YouTube and, and all this stuff about bands not getting a fair shake for the money that they're making uh, off of these platforms. Does having your masters back give you guys leverage to get a favorable deal from all of these platforms so that you guys get what you feel is your just due for your material? Well, without going too far into our, you know, our uh, business (laughs) uh, details, let's say, um, that's partially true, but partially not true. Um, We we didn't actually get our... um, we actually didn't get our masters back per se, okay. but um, what we did get was the rights to use them again okay. um, with how we choose. Also, we did get to renegotiate our deal. So mm-hmm. our deal is completely updated and, and upgraded to sort of, uh, to uh, it's better for us, let's just say. Um, for the new platforms because when we signed the deal back in 1984 or whatever there was no such thing even then as cds so (laughs) you have all these new formats of that have been available since then 
CD duplication being the first one, and then the next one being streaming services, obviously. So we've all we've updated all those terms to benefit us. So to answer your question, yes, it's it's going to be much better for us um, now. Um, we've all we've also gotten the rights to to reissue um, the first three records, the Chrysalis records. So we're currently in talks with Metal Blade about um, getting those out um, in 22. Um, the band's celebrating its 40-year anniversary next year, okay. in 22. So part of that celebration, we're trying to get, I don't know if it's going to be possible or not, but we're trying to at least get those first three records out all next year in 22. Um, some of these releases haven't been available um, in quite a long time, and some of them never been available since on LP or vinyl since, mm-hmm. the, first, since the first one was released in the 80s so we're pretty stoked about getting all those three records out we're trying to get new packaging updated and have some extra things in it that weren't available before um and all those things are also currently up now on all the digital streaming services so you should be able to see raising fear delirious nomad march of the saint those three records should be available now for the last couple of years they've been kind of in limbo mm-hmm. um but they should be available now um which is great for us so you know it those things are all very positive and great cool um yeah. you know when i switched over to apple music i guess about a year maybe two years ago i had to upload my versions of the of those songs because they weren't yeah. available so they you know, they chose covers that I have no idea what covers they are. So now I can actually go back in and have the official covers and everything else on. on yeah. My, on those. They should songs. be. Cool. Exactly. They should all be there now. Awesome. And um, Spotify. We were never, we weren't even on Spotify for, for years. This wow. is terrible, but it's all there now. But, but that's one of those things where that's kind of beyond your control. It isn't because the band didn't yeah. want it there. It's just. Oh, no. Yeah. It was yeah. a legal, a legal thing, and it and it just went in limbo. And you know, it just, you know, we're self managed. You know, um, for all for intents and purposes, you know, um, I'm I kind of act as the band's manager in a lot of ways, just because we don't have a manager, you know. Right. So a lot of these things fall on us to deal with our, on our own, mm-hmm. and so it takes a little longer to to get stuff done, <laughs> but. We got it done. Yeah, but at the same time, I would think that, again, you're looking out for the band's best interest and your best interest as opposed to maybe having someone else who's dealing with 20 bands and you're kind of in the mix. I mean, I'm sure you guys have dealt with that in the past. And obviously there's there's a difference with having a personal approach to something as a part of just being another number who, you know, is kind of in a pecking order to have stuff done for them. So, yeah, you know, we've, we've been pretty lucky to um, be surround ourselves with um, business wise with a lot of great people. Um, Our record label being first and foremost, uh, the biggest sort of asset to us, you know, metal blades always supported us throughout the years. And they've also given us a lot of freedom to kind of work in the own, in the way that we choose to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a lot of bands can say that. So, um, 
that's been really great for us. Our booking agency, um, we're with TKO booking agency and our agent has been also a great asset for us. Um, and, uh, you know, so between that and between that, those three entities, ourselves, our label and our booking agency, we've been able to kind of carve out this sort of, you know, unique way of working and it's been great for us you know it allows us a lot of freedom but it also has been beneficial for us too in in a lot of ways so we're we're very grateful to have that kind of circle yeah and i think from speaking to you and john all these years you guys are very realistic about who armored saint is uh, even talking to phil behind the scenes on facebook and stuff like that um you know, it doesn't seem when you guys are interviewed, it is, no, we're just waiting for the next huge stadium tour to come along or we're not, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of bands that maybe have been around as long as you guys have um, that either had your the same amount of success or even more success. And they're still waiting for that next big wave to come along. And you guys are kind of comfortable as to who Armored Saint is. And you guys kind of work within your parameters, you know, without maybe going too far with it, you know, where other bands are looking to, Hey, you know, we still need X management. We need X promotion. We need, you know, so you end up wasting all of this money behind the scenes on things that may not get you any further than where you currently are is, is kind of what I'm getting at by being realistic with what's going on and being able to be economically smart. I guess is what I'm getting at, I think has probably also helped you guys, you know, long-term. Yeah, sure. You know, we, one thing that we, when we kind of came back together in 1999, this is after our absence when John left to join Anthrax. And so when we kind of reconvened for the first time in 10 years or whatever in 99 to make Revelation, um, we, kind of had a handshake deal with each other and we said look you know let's just do this because we love it and because we have fun with it and we take great pride in what we do but let's just not put so much pressure on this so that it's a be-all end-all you know um that's just gonna ruin us if we go back to that place (laughs) mentally So we've tried to maintain that, you know, obviously we have, you know, high hopes for things sometimes, you know, we want the world to hear our music and the new music we're making and we want to tour and we want to be on good tours. You know, we don't, we'd rather play larger venues in front of a lot of people than playing, you know, really dumpy small clubs in front of nobody, you know, so that, I mean, there, that's just nature you know (laughs) but you know i think i don't think we're willing to do whatever it takes to get there so right you know i think that we have to strike a balance as to you know enjoying ourselves having a good time and doing the work per se because it's still work at the end of the day a lot of times right but also you know like let's not kill ourselves doing it you know um let's just try to enjoy the ride and be grateful for what we, grateful for what we have mm-hmm. and grateful grateful for the fans that are willing to come along for the ride and enjoy it stop and smell the roses you know seize the day kind of stuff and mm-hmm. have fun with it 
Gotcha. It's yeah. not it's not always easy. I mean, I'm not saying it's like the easiest thing ever, but <laughs> right. You know, we always try to remind ourselves like, hey, 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 you know, things are all right. <laughs> right. Well, I, I remember reading interviews with like one of your bandmates from one of your other bands, uh, Scott Ian, talking about how in hindsight, you know, they should have never pushed for going out on tour with a you know, a huge stage or with certain props or with certain things, you know, which in the end cost a ton of money to take around, to set up, to, you know, so on and so forth. So they kind of exceeded what they should have done. Whereas, you know, that's kind of what I'm getting at where you guys, everything that you're saying, you you guys aren't looking to have, you know, Gonzo propped up like Peter Chris on a riser uh, during <laughs> Reign of Fire, or you're not looking to have, you know, a million uh, things of pyro go off during the song or, or no, uh, you know, uh, imaginary, uh, water tower <laughs> for you to climb up, uh, during the last <laughs> so, stuff like that. Right. We will save all that stuff for the videos. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few weeks ago, you guys posted, um, a really cool combo of, of a cassette and a baseball tee. And I made a comment on Facebook about shipping costs. And this is kind of similar to uh, Spotify and, and you guys not being on Spotify, not because you didn't want to be there, but the shipping thing was, I was coming at it at kind of the same angle. I know that the band isn't trying to screw anyone with shipping costs or anything like that. The band is obviously trying to do the best that they can to get all the cool stuff that you guys are putting out there. Um, I'm not saying this per se about you guys, but I know that there are a lot of bands that are detached from that side of things. So they're not aware of the fact that, you know, to get a t-shirt there are, well, for example, today, Blabbermouth put up a, uh, a t-shirt that they're selling to benefit uh, roadies and stuff like that. Um, and I wanted to order the t-shirt t-shirt was 20 bucks shipping was 25 bucks so you know stuff like that makes it very prohibitive where you know if you're paying more for shipping for an item than you are the actual item it's it's a huge turnoff um again you know i realize that that's not i mean i didn't say it to be a dick in any way since reform it was just one of these things no hey you know if you guys aren't aware of this yeah this what's kind of taking place. And it sucks because, um, I compared what it was to ship from the States, to ship from the UK, to ship from Europe. And I do have to correct something that I posted because apparently as of July 1st, anything that comes from the States or UK into Europe, as long as it's less than 175 bucks, there are no customs fees. So, um, again, just trying to go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, some, you know, these things a lot of times are way out of our hands. You know, we, we don't, um, we're not able to micromanage every detail about things like this. Um, This thing in particular was way outside of our, outside of our kind of uh, our wheelhouse. Um, Because this was, this wasn't even through Metal Blade. This was like, this was sub-licensed to a third party. Oh, wow. And so... We, to be honest with you, we didn't even get the chance to approve the artwork for it. Oh wow! We hadn't. I the first time I even saw this was. I mean, I heard about the that someone was doing this, 
And I th- thought it was a cool idea to release uh, cassettes because there's there's a there's a weird small market for cassette <laughs> collectors. Um, right. I'm all about the old school stuff, so that I thought it was great. I said that's cool, um, but uh, I didn't know when it was coming out. I didn't see any artwork for it. Nothing came my way for any of that, uh, which is fine. But um, this is one of those things that maybe I would have been able to have some input on, like, you know, where is this being released? How many are being issued? You know, I think it's a very small run anyway, from mm-hmm. what I gather. Um, but, you know, I don't even know if this was even available outside of the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was, actually. I think oh. it was strictly a U.S. Yeah. manufacturer and ship. So it wasn't even available, you know, through Metal Blade's store in the U.K. or at EMP in Germany. Um, but I mean, all those things, I mean, even in the best case scenario, if like we have an official release with metal blade, let's say, you know, how does someone in South America going to get it? You know, how is someone in Australia going to get it or even Southeast Asia? You know, it's really difficult to provide, you know, those kind of first class services to every single person on the planet. (laughs) Obviously, you know, America has it easiest, you know, shipping from Amazon or something. But how does, you know, in Canada, it's a little different. In Mexico, it's a little different. In the UK, you you can probably get something out of the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, But then outside of the UK, then you have extra, as we're talking, you know, there's extra shipping that has to happen going into the European countries. So it's just a very difficult thing, especially for a band member or somebody in the group to micromanage all those things, you kind of just hope that like people in the, in the distribution centers and in the labels are doing those sort of things for you. Mm-hmm. Most of the time they're there, everything's fine and, and right. But a lot of times there, you know, there's somebody that's just going to be like, that lives just so far out outside of the distribution areas that it's going to affect them and they're going to be pissed off it's hard to make all those people happy, you know, but we try. <laughs> yeah. Believe me, shipping is, uh, you mentioned the MP I've been arguing with EMP about having to, uh, to ship something back to them this week. I get free shipping mm. to me, but I got to pay to ship something back. So mm. I, my dumb mistake, I got giddy. I pre-ordered the, um, uh, the, the live album and Blu-ray and I ordered something else that I didn't realize that I had ordered a month previous. But since everything is on pre-order, you know, mm. once I got two copies of something that showed up, I yeah. just had to do that stuff. And and the other thing here in Europe that's just crazy to me is they don't um, shipping to your house costs more than picking it up at like a, a UPS center. So I had somebody tell me, well, if you if you drive to a UPS center, you could pick it up for free. And it's like, okay, but I got to drive half an hour. I got to pay for parking. You know, gas. <laughs> so on and so forth so at the end of the day you know i'm paying almost the same thing but yeah yeah it's tough you know especially now i don't know about in europe but the postal the the delivery services here took a hit like like so many other industries yeah, yeah. because of covid so it's it's just a tough a tough thing yeah it's uh it's it's nowhere near the same you know i was used to living in the states if you ordered something it more or less got there around the date of release or maybe, you know, a day before, day after. 
here, you're lucky to get it a week after it's come out. So yeah, yeah, yep. I oh, have, it's all weird. Yeah, absolutely. I have a few questions here for you from people that submitted them, and while we've been talking, there have been people in the chat that have been sending in uh, questions as well. Uh, the first question that I have here is from a, a patron. His name is Mike Jones. Uh, not the Mike Jones that John Bush knows from Boston. <laughs> okay. I was going to say, all right, go ahead. <laughs> um, he asked, which of your favorite band or which of the bands that you play with live is your favorite and what is kind of your favorite aspect of playing with each one of them? Ooh, well, uh, I, you know, I, as, maybe a lot of people know by watching me play live i enjoy playing live no matter where i'm playing <laughs> um i really do uh for different reasons i mean i i love performing with armored saint um armored saint is you know it's our it's part of our it's our it's all of our first groups so there's a sort of an you know there's a long history there and it's special place obviously in all of our hearts so performing with armored saint is is you know emotionally tied to our past so it's always a special thing performing with armored saint um playing with uh fate's warning which i've been in that band for over 20 years which is pretty crazy but um you know that's a whole different thing i love playing with fates um the material is you know more challenging for me to play than anything else probably that i do um so i enjoy playing with those ex those guys in this arena of you know playing music that's very sort of challenging to play and pulling it off together with other guys um communicating on that level of a musicianship where you're not having to speak words but you're playing the music together mm -hmm. um is a pretty gratifying thing um and it's something i get that i don't get anywhere else um, except for with fate's warning um so and it's you know aside from that we're great friends off stage as well so there's there's another great connection there that's just different um so again love playing with with fate's warning for those reasons and then um also the same could be true for a band like Motor Sister. Um, we haven't done a whole lot of shows together, but performing with these guys is a whole nother level of fun, if you will, because it's really this, that. It's just fun. <laughs> it's fun music, um, and it's reflected on all of our love for the music that we all grew up on, which is kind of mostly steeped in the 70s. So um, a chance to really bring all that um to the live stage is, is a blast um again it's um something that's relatively easy um for us because of those reasons because it's so fun and the music's just fun to play it's really high energy um again another great group of friends um you know i have to say like i'm so lucky to be in three bands where i'm really great friends with all those members you know it's like we're talking like 15 people there or something you know and uh that's something that's rare and i don't take that for granted it's it's a great great thing to be involved with people that you actually love so um 
it's a great fun playing with Motor Sister Live. It's just get out there, get sweaty, have a blast, be a rocker. It's just it's just awesome. So a lot of different reasons for you know different things for different groups. It's all I wear I wear different hats, but they're all the same hat too. So <laughs> very cool. Okay. Yeah. This question comes from Brad in the chat. He asks, um, what is it like making a set list for an armored saint show? Who has the most power in getting a song on the list? Is there a song you guys <laughs> have to play? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we, we sort of work by committee mostly. So, you know, we try to be like John Bush has probably, he, he's like the one who's really the stickler with, I would say, out of mostly out of anybody about what the set list is going to be. We all have input and we all kind of bad ideas back and forth. But, you know, John always tries to showcase um, at least a couple of songs from each single release so that there's some variety of our whole catalog, you know. Right. Um, we don't always get to do that just by time constraints, especially nowadays, because now we have more records out now than we obviously never did. We have eight albums, studio albums to choose from. So it gets harder to do that. But, um, you know, so we, we kind of bat around ideas like that. And it, it can be challenging because the challenge for us is to try to keep it interesting and fun. You know, we, we do get, I have to admit, and I think I speak for everybody, we get kind of bored with playing the same songs over and over, that songs that we think people want to need to hear. Mm -hmm. So we try to challenge ourselves and the audience with, you know, throwing in, um, you know, not the A cuts, but the B cuts and the C cuts and sometimes the, the deeper cuts, you know, um, keeps it interesting and fresh for us. And I hopefully it keeps it interesting and fresh for the audience. Um, you're always going to dissatisfy somebody, though. You know, why didn't you play this? Why didn't you play that? You know, so <laughs> it's impossible to make everybody happy. And what's the song that we absolutely have to play? I would say it, would, it has to be Can You Deliver? Um, and it's, it was our first single ever from back in 1984. And I'm not sure why that is, but it just seems to be the most popular song still to this day. So that's probably the one song that we just could not go on stage and not playing, um, uh, or having to play, I should say. So that would be the song that we probably absolutely have to play no matter what. And, you know, at this point, like, we could play it in our sleep backwards, probably. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, that might sound interesting, actually, playing it backwards. Hmm. Playing it back. See, there you go. Thank now you. Note, note to self. All right. <laughs> New twist backwards. It, to yeah. make the song interesting after all these years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last question here. Okay. Um, it is, um, I don't know who it's from. It just says Facebook user. I've been searching for delirious nomad for my CD collection forever. So you talked about being able to do some stuff with the, uh, chrysalis albums. Um, you're currently talking the metal blade. You said, uh, theoretically, is there discussion for vinyl CD digital? Is there anything you can share about that? 
Well, like I said, we we are in talks with Metal Blade about reissuing the first three records. Um, the focus right now is to, is to get them on vinyl. Okay. Because there's such a long lead time right now with vinyl. It's insane. A lot of it's because of COVID. But um, the other reason is there was a couple of big um, manufacturers that um, either went out of business or uh, had damage from fires, believe it or not. So the there's only a few companies that are actually doing the manufacturing. So, and now, as just maybe a lot of people are aware, there's been this really big uh, upswing and demand for vinyl over the past 24 months. So mm-hmm. it's crazy. It's, it's, there's like a, it used to be like a three or four month lead time. Now it's a nine month lead time if you're lucky. So, we're right now trying to get the vinyl stuff sorted out so that it comes out sometime in 22. Um, the CD manufacturing is much quicker than that. So um, I, I don't quote me on saying that this is also coming out on CD, but the intention is for us to also have it also come out on CD as well as as vinyl. So yes, hopefully um, all three releases of our chrysalis years should be out on CD and vinyl and digital. It's already available digitally, I believe. Um, but the physical product of it should be out next year in 22. Okay. There's actually another reason. Oh, it just cut out. Wow. All right. So Joey, had, uh, 45 minutes where he could talk. We kind of went a little over about 50 minutes. Uh, not sure what took place there. Maybe his uh, connection dropped out, but he did say he had to, to leave. So um, it is, it is what it is. It was great. Oh, he's back. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Sorry about, sorry about that. <laughs> I, that was a hard 45. I said, wow, he wasn't kidding when he said 45. Yeah. I'll see you later. All right. Bye. <laughs> uh, no, I'm on my phone. So it's, I have limited uh, kind of Wi-Fi out here, but right. um Hopefully it worked, but um, yeah, I do have to scoot, but thank you very much for having me. And um, it's been a blast as always. Great conversation again. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I, I appreciate your time as always. And um, thanks. You know, like, like I said, you've been on the show five or six times over the years and it's always been great. So Awesome. Well, glad to be back. And uh, thanks again for the chat. And uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. And the questions has been great. So have a good one. We hope to see you in 22. Awesome. Thank you, sir. All right. Have a good one. All right. You too. All righty. There we go. So uh, Joey Vera, uh, the other thing that um, that wasn't touched upon that uh, we did talk about, Todd, from Ripple Music a few I guess two months ago at this point, uh, with the vinyl shortage, there's actually a, a shortage in the actual supplies to make vinyl. And this actually comes from the whole jam up in the Suez Canal a few months ago. Apparently, a lot of the supplies that are needed to actually make vinyl in these facilities, um, they, they haven't gotten to the plants on time. So if you want to find out more, I do recommend you checking out the interview with Todd from Ripple Music. Uh, that was, I don't know, about 10 episodes ago, but he gives us the whole, you know, uh, 411 on, on that whole situation, which is very cool. Um, 
you guys that have followed the show all these years, if you listen to today's interview that I released with John Bush, uh, it's 12 year anniversary of the show as of this past weekend. I never bullshit you guys. Um, I always say what I what I mean to say. And recently I've been lucky that I can pick and choose who I do interview. Uh, if you are even remotely a fan of Armored Saint, check this upcoming live album out. If I'm not mistaken, it drops on October 22nd. Listening to it, I mentioned this to Joey. I mentioned this to John. There were goosebumps throughout and a lot of like, moments where I was like, wow, you know, I forgot how great this song was. And there is an energy, there is a definite feel to the release that um, that a lot of recent live albums just don't have. I don't want to name bands, but, you know, you listen to the to the live stuff and it just doesn't have that feel of, you know, live albums that we grew up listening to, where, you know, even to today, you can listen to A Strangers in the Night or you could listen to an Alive One or Two or you know, uh, Queen Live Killers or stuff like that, where it just gives you a certain feeling to it. To me, and I'm not being biased, I'm not being a homer in any extent, listening to this, watching it, it it gave me that feeling as well. So, and I'm not going to say it has to compare to Alive, Alive 2, to any of these albums, but it definitely has one of those, there's energy to it, there's, you know, something to it. And these songs are all special. So that makes it also a great part of the, uh, the package here. Uh, guys, I thank you once again for tuning in today. Um, obviously there's a million things you guys can be doing. So I'm extremely grateful that you decided to spend some time with me today, whether you're watching this live, whether you're watching the replay or whether you're listening to the podcast, uh, remember that, um, the live stream usually takes place Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. in the UK. If you're in Europe like myself, it is midnight Friday going into Saturday. And we just found out for those in Australia, it is 8 a.m. if you're in Melbourne. So uh, there's that this week. We have Ryan J. Downey coming up. Uh, check out his podcast, Speak and Destroy it is a Metallica based podcast where he talks to a lot of really interesting people about Metallica. So um, that is it. We will see you uh, today's Wednesday. We will see you in two days with Ryan. And uh, again, if you haven't checked out the interview with John Bush, check it out. It is, uh, it will be worth your while. It is awesome. Uh, it is always fun to talk to John or Joey, either, either one of them. They're, They've been on the show easily within, you know, uh, I, I think if not one, two or three, they're within the top three of guests that have been on the most and they're among my favorite people to talk to. So there you go. Hope you enjoyed this. Thanks once again. And we will see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast and by VMR IT web design. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show. 